Satan works no differently today than he did during the days of Hezekiah. He still really wants to draw our attention away from God's presence in our lives, and he demands us to focus on our fears and our failures. Reach us on our listener line at 888-343-6940. Sign up for a free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. Ask us a question to be answered on air or leave a comment about our program. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. Let's join our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining us on the program today. I'm Chris Katolka, your host, and I am delighted to have a great friend and a colleague on the show today, uh, Bruce Scott. Bruce is the director of field ministries for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, and he's also the director of the Hesed Project, which is a whole other conversation that we get to have with him at some point. So we'll wait for that show. But today, I asked Bruce to come on to talk about a very important Jewish holiday that's coming up called Purim. Bruce, great to have you on the program, my friend. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. Bruce, I went to Israel in February of 2012. I landed in Tel Aviv. And I took a short ride down to a little town called Jaffa that's connected to Tel Aviv. And when I when I arrived, there were people on the streets. There were people all over the place. And they were wearing costumes. It looked like a massive uh, Halloween party. They were walking all over the place. Uh, I couldn't find any parking. It was a celebration. And I found out while I was there, they were celebrating Purim. Why were they wearing costumes of all things, Bruce. What was what was going on there? Uh, Chris, Purim is uh, one of the happiest days on the Jewish calendar. It's, uh, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of uh, remembering God's faithfulness in uh, protecting and preserving the Jewish people. And it's really based in the book of Esther. And uh, each year, Jewish people around the world uh, remember the story of Mordecai and Esther and how God uh, protected them from the bad guy in the story, his name is Haman, who wanted to, uh, under the days of uh, the king of Persia, uh, who wanted to destroy and, and wipe out all the Jewish people. And in the story, of course, he failed, and uh, as a result of that, uh, Mordecai and Esther established each year to celebrate that uh, with the holiday of Purim. And uh, the name comes from when Haman, the bad guy, had cast lots, uh, Purim, to uh, determine which day would be the best day to uh, wipe out uh, the Jewish people. And as a result of that, um, he established this day, and, and, and yet he failed in his attempts, and uh, God uh, preserved the Jewish people. And so as a result of that, Jewish people remember it by celebrating, by giving gifts, by uh, dressing up uh, like uh, uh, Mordecai or Esther, uh, and or other costumes. They may even have clowns or or anything like like that. It's it's not like our Halloween where uh, the focus a lot on Halloween is is more dark. Uh, the 
Feast of, of Purim is really a, a happy time. So they dress up in, in happy costumes, and, and uh, they even make fun of rabbis sometimes uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of uh, kidding sort of way. And, and they just have a wonderful time because they're celebrating a victory over one of the enemies that have, have come up uh, as they do in, in regular fashion throughout their existence. In fact, Jewish people each year at, at Passover time, they have a prayer where they thank God that um, they have been preserved by God to celebrate this season because in every generation there's someone who rises up to try to annihilate them. Well, in this case, it was Haman. And um, I like to say that uh, there have always been Hamans and Hitlers and Husseins, but they all fail. And God remains faithful in preserving his people. And that's what Purim is all about. Yeah, and so, Bruce, in front of me right now, first I'm going to say I have my Bible opened to Esther, the great story of Esther, and I have your book, uh, The Feasts of Israel, Seasons of the Messiah, uh, next to me, and I always like to use your book as a resource, not just for Purim, but for all of the Jewish holidays. And in your chapter on Purim, uh, you say that Purim is a joyous celebration of the faithfulness of God. So how is God being faithful to the Jewish people throughout this moment in their existence? Well, there's a wonderful verse in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, a couple of verses. Jeremiah 31, verses 35 and 36, and it reads, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Wonderful passage where God promises that he will preserve his people, Israel, no matter who rises up to destroy them, to annihilate them, as Haman did, uh, God will preserve them. And even though Jewish people have suffered greatly over the centuries in various ways, uh, there is still the nation of Israel. And you can't explain it apart from God's faithfulness. You can't understand it apart from God preserving his people. And so the holiday of Purim is a holiday that recognizes that and celebrates it. There must be a Jewish nation, and God never lies. Mm -hmm. So God's character cannot um, be impugned by uh, being unfaithful. He has to keep his promises, and those promises include preserving his people Israel. Now, growing up, I've always heard that God's name uh, does not appear in the book of Esther. It's the only book in the Bible that does not contain the name of God. Uh, it's one of the reasons some scholars believe that, you know, of all of the biblical books found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the only one that's not there is Esther, uh, and that's probably because God's name was not written in the book. Uh, so there might be some that argue, but God wasn't there. He wasn't present uh, during that time, and clearly he wasn't on the minds of the people then. Do you think that's a true statement? Absolutely not. Uh, God is present there. And in fact, uh, it, yes, it's true that uh, the name of God is not mentioned, but certainly the hand of God behind the scenes is clearly evident. Uh, the book of Esther is, is really uh, one of the greatest books in the Bible to, to demonstrate the providence of God, 
where even though God may seem to be silent, his handiwork, his, his working behind the scenes where we cannot see is, is clearly evident. Uh, there are a lot of um, instances in the book of Esther where there's incongruity or, or irony or variance that takes place, where, uh, for example, on the morning that Haman enters the king's palace to ask for the execution of Mordecai, he, he winds up leaving the palace uh, being forced to parade and glorify the very one he wanted to kill, and that would be Mordecai. And so the variance that takes place and the irony and how it all turns out from being uh, where the plan was to wipe out the Jewish people, it turns out where they are actually the ones that uh, succeed and and glorified. And, and the Bible even says that there, there were some among the Persian people who uh, converted to be Jewish uh, so that uh, they could identify with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's just a a wonderful story of how God keeps his promises even when he appears to be silent, and we have to uh, not just assume that God walked away for a period of time. Uh, He didn't. Uh, Bruce, I I have one more question. We have one more minute left here. Uh, You know, Iran just launched... Uh, started launching more ballistic missiles, and it was just a couple days ago that they launched one that had Hebrew written on the missile, the destruction of Israel, or this will destroy Israel. Is there any connection, you think, to this arrogance and uh, this pride that they have uh, and this hatred towards the Jewish people that's similar in many ways to Haman? Well, yes, of course. Um, The Iranian leadership uh, certainly wants to... uh, wipe out Israel. They've said that many times. And their pursuit of nuclear weapons uh, certainly is uh, in line with with that goal. But as scary a thought as that is, we can be confident that they will fail. And we don't know how God is going to do it. And it may seem at times that God is is silent. But uh, just as Job in the Old Testament had to learn, uh, enduring faith believes that God is faithful even when he is silent. And when the Iranians seem to uh, be succeeding in their plans, they will ultimately fail, and the Jewish people will survive. In fact, the Jewish people have a saying in Israel, Am Israel Chai, the Jewish people live, the people of Israel live. Amen. That's wonderful. We're talking with Bruce Scott, who's the author of The Feast of Israel, Seasons of the Messiah, and field director for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Bruce, thank you so much for your insight on Purim, what it means to us uh, as Christians, that the very God that's been faithful to the Jewish people for thousands of years is the God that we believe in. And I always think it's a miracle that we as Christians get to stand and see how God has preserved his people who he made a promise to. And I always get excited because I know that if God has kept his promises and preserved his people, the Jewish people, he will keep his promises to us who love him and who follow him and believe in him. So, Bruce, thank you so much for your insights on the story uh, of Purim. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Folks, I want to introduce you to an important book, The Feast of Israel, Shadows of the Messiah by Bruce Scott. 
You know, context is everything, especially when you study the Bible. And it's always good to remember the Bible is a Jewish book with Jewish writers writing from a Jewish worldview. Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, and he didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. He celebrated the Jewish festivals like Passover, Hanukkah, and Purim. Jesus' ministry, the cross, his resurrection, second coming, and future reign as King and Lord are not only in the New Testament, they are also hidden within the Jewish holidays and feasts of the Old Testament. That's why the book, The Feast of Israel, Shadows of the Messiah, will help you know the fullness of Jesus' ministry through the biblical feasts of Israel. Order your copy today at foiradio.org or call our toll-free number 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Last week, we started a series in our short segment called, What's the Source of Your Confidence In? And we were looking at Psalms chapter 46. Now, psychologist and writer, Dr. Marcy Fox, believes that confidence is one of our greatest resources. And with confidence, you can manage any situation or circumstance uh, that's thrown your way. But without confidence, any situation or any circumstance can become a potential threat. Now, I agree with Dr. Fox, but where we disagree is where we derive our confidence, where, what the source of our confidence is. Dr. Fox believes confidence comes from believing in ourselves. And I believe that's usually where trouble starts. I'll be honest, I usually put my confidence in myself first, and then I fail miserably. And that's when God reminds me that the source of my confidence should rest in him. And we're looking at this source of confidence through the lens of Psalm 46, where King Hezekiah learned the hard way, like most of us, like myself, that confidence in ourselves leaves us feeling desperate, empty, and alone. Now, King Hezekiah looked out beyond the walls of Jerusalem And he knew that the odds were against him. If you remember from 2 Kings 18, a a massive Assyrian army was surrounding this little city of Jerusalem. And during the days of Hezekiah, no more than 10,000 people lived in Jerusalem. It wasn't a large city. Uh, And yet Hezekiah looked out over this sea of 185,000 Assyrian soldiers waiting for the word from their king to attack Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem, as tall as they were, they were not strong enough to stop this impatient foreign army. And Assyria in those days, just to kind of give you an idea of what the people thought of Assyria, Assyria was synonymous with devastation and destruction. And I am sure Hezekiah probably thought this was the end of the kingdom of Judah and its capital city of Jerusalem. I'm I'm sure that he was scared to death. And the king of Assyria in 2 Kings chapter 18, he challenges Hezekiah's faith in the Lord. And he says this, what confidence is this in which you trust? And I'm going to tell you, the Assyrian king did not want to hear from Hezekiah that Hezekiah was trusting in the Lord. Because in 2 Kings 18.35, the king of Assyria says this to Hezekiah, 
Who among the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Do do you hear what the king of Assyria is saying to Hezekiah? He's saying, listen, I have taken several other cities. I have captured other people, and their gods were not strong enough to stop me. So what makes you think that you can put your confidence in the Lord? Hezekiah probably felt trapped both physically and spiritually. The great king of Assyria cornered Hezekiah inside the walls of Jerusalem, and he also trapped Hezekiah's God inside of a box. Now, the biblical account to 2 Kings 18 is actually the backdrop to Psalm 46, the the psalm where we get the famous saying, be still and know that I am God. And I am sure the last thing Hezekiah could do is to be still. From a human perspective, his city and his people were as good as gone. And yet in Psalm 46, the psalmist reminds Hezekiah that there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. That comes from Psalm 46, verses 4 and 5. Think about this. The psalmist draws Hezekiah as he's looking out over the sea of people, as his fear is is directed right towards the Assyrian army. The psalmist encourages Hezekiah to look away from that Assyrian army and to draw his attention to the temple, to the tabernacle of the Most High, the protector of Israel who neither slumbers nor sleeps. So if the presence of the Lord is in the city, then Jerusalem, it says, shall not be moved. And even though the odds are against Hezekiah in Jerusalem, God will protect the people and the city. My friends, let me tell you, Satan works no differently today than he did during the days of Hezekiah. He still really wants to draw our attention away from God's presence in our lives, and he demands us to focus on our fears and our failures. The psalmist urges us to have a different attitude when the enemy is encroaching upon us. And even though the nations were raging and the kingdoms were being moved, which was Hezekiah's greatest fear, God's presence was in the city so that the city remained safe and protected. Amazingly, that same presence of God that dwelt in that temple during the days of Hezekiah, that protected Jerusalem from her enemies, now dwells in the lives of those who believe in Messiah Jesus. So let me say this, even though the enemy may be surrounding you today, be encouraged. You cannot be moved because God is in your midst. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. 
While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. Un-Muslim neighbors are trying to begin a new war. Living in Israel is like living on an active volcano. Our enemies are a mighty majority who refuse to rest until they erase our nation from the map. Every day they wait for our destruction. Recently I told several of them, you spend your lives thinking about how you will destroy us. But read what is written in the Bible. I gave them an Arabic-language Bible so they could read Exodus 15.4 and 19. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea, for the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. When they had read what had happened to Pharaoh and his army during the days of Moses and the Exodus, one man asked, Who was this man who hurled the chariots into the sea? The Lord God Almighty, I answered. We are like a poor little worm, and you are like mighty locust. Yet we are still here. So who is on our side? After thinking a while, someone replied, That was a long time ago. These are only stories about Israel's many victories. I told them about the many wars they started against us, determined to destroy us. 1948, 1956, 1967, 1973, and many others. But we are still here. We won all those wars against you. This cannot be. So I showed them my certificate of discharge from the Israel Defense Forces. I told them I saw our victories with my own eyes, because I fought in all these wars. They began to ask many questions. How could you have defeated us in 1948? You were only half a million people and had no weapons and... We were a multitude from five Arab countries. I will show you, I said. I opened the Bible and read Psalm 124, verse 1, where it is written, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Here we are, and you, with your mighty power of 1.5 billion people and 56 Muslim countries, are the ones who are lost. We are only 6 million. But look who is on our side. One said, Now we must read so we will know more about the Bible. We also want to buy one for our sheiks, so they will know with whom we are dealing. We talked for a long time before we got to this point. 
But as the Lord says, the servant of the Lord must be patient. The dramatic reading you just heard is taken from a feature you can read in our bi-monthly magazine, Israel My Glory. If you enjoy this feature, be sure to sign up for a free trial subscription. That's one year of Israel My Glory. Visit IsraelMyGlory.org. You can read Apples of Gold and other free content at IsraelMyGlory.org. You can also sign up for a free subscription when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. If it's more convenient to write, our P.O. Box is 914 Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Galeone. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.